So let's stand again. Let's open our Bibles today to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You know, I, I have a, a, an iPhone, and I, I read my Bible most of the time off of the iPhone. But I, I really want to encourage you, if you don't have a, a study Bible, reading, reading off the iPhone, reading off your, your, uh, your devices is, is good. But a good study Bible will help you when you come to passages where you don't completely get it. Uh, where there's, there's good notes in there, there's good additions in that will help you uh, grow in your, in your reading of the Word. And so uh, I encourage you, if you don't have one of those, to, uh, to get one. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... And trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Father, we pray you give us understanding. We want to look over what you say. We want to think about it. We want to think about it in our homes when we read your word. We want to think about it in, your, in our small groups when we come to discuss it. We want to think about it, Father, in our services as we hear your word. Lord, open our minds and our hearts to understand it. Let it apply, let your word apply to our lives right where we're at today. Speak to every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. As mature followers of Christ, one of the things that we want to come to understanding about, we want to have a good picture of in our mind, is what is the church supposed to be? How did God intend us to see church in our lives and, and, um, and, and how it functions in our lives? And we've been talking about the danger as Americans for us to see the church through a consumer mentality uh, as a place where we come to get something and that's it. Now, one of, the, one of the places where this danger really hits us is when we begin to see or think of other churches as the competition. And we begin to uh, uh, try to get people from other Bible-believing churches to leave their church and come to our church, our people from other Bible-believing churches try to get us to leave our church and go to their church, and it's kind of a competitive kind of an attitude of we're better than you, or we've got more to offer than you do, and, and instead of seeing the church as uh, different franchises working for the same company, one of our core values here is that we like to share what we have. If 
all the things that we have, if it doesn't negatively impact something we're doing, doesn't get in the way of our ministries, and we can share it with our community, we can share it with somebody else, some other church, they can use our facilities for something and it's beneficial to the kingdom. Hey, this stuff isn't ours. This building's not ours. It's, it's God's. We, we've dedicated this to God. The things we have, He's given to us, and we want to use them to the fullest extent to be a blessing to others. That's a good thing, don't you think? You know, our school, uh, it's, it's, it's always looking for some gym space. You've got one gym and all kinds of different activities that happen inside of it. About 15, 20 years ago now, uh, one of our teams, one of our volleyball teams, was wanting to have some, uh, was wanting to have practices, and they were running into some conflict with games that were happening and events that were happening, other teams that were practicing. And so they, they began to look for some other gym space uh, where they could go and practice. And one of the girls on the team attended another church, and she said to the coach, hey, the church I go to, has a gym. Uh, maybe we can go over there and, you know, practice there. And it, this, this church wasn't a long, long way away, and it, it seemed like a good plan. And so uh, one, of our, one of our staff members called over to the church to see about the possibility of using their facility. And uh, the per, at that point in time, the pastor had 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 resigned and they were in between uh pastors and uh as they as they talked with the person on the staff the person on the staff told them we're going to have to have one of the board members call you because we don't have the freedom to do that and so uh, a few days went by and sure enough one of the board members called our staff member and said i understand you want to use our gym and they said yes he said it's not it's not available it's not available. He said, well, okay. He said, uh, yeah, he said, we just can't do that. He said, well, you know, if there is any time that it's available, then uh, we would be happy to, to, to rent it from you, to pay for our time that's there uh, so we could get our, our girls in. And then the real spirit of the person came out. He said to our staff member, there's not enough money in the world for us to rent you our gym. Now, see, that's the spirit of a competitor, not somebody, uh, that's, a, that's the spirit of somebody who is not in the same group, right? Our desire is to have a spirit of love and compassion and to use what we have to be a blessing to others. It was around that same time that we were putting on a, a fairly large city event and we were uh, wanting to advertise this event. And we were in, a, in discussion, some of our, our leaders were in discussions uh, with one of the secular radio stations about advertising uh, for our events. And as they sat in our offices, uh, the, the person, the, the salesperson that was there looked at our staff members, I wasn't in the room at the time, looked at our staff members and said to them, well, we'd like to know who your competition is. Who's your, and they said, well, 
the two guys that were there said, well, we don't understand. What do you mean? He goes, you know, and he started naming other churches. He said, those are your competitors, right? That's, that's what you're trying to, 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 you know, to try to get people from there. Is that correct? And they said, no, 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 no. We don't see the other churches in our city as our competitors. And the salesman finally looked at him, the secular radio station, says, well, who do you see as your competitors? And one of our staff members looked at the guy and said, well, you. <laughs> and he said, what, what do you mean? He said, you're trying to shape the minds and the thinkings of people. You're our competitor. We want to shape the minds and the thinking of people so they'll know who God is. We've got to understand, you know, who we are and what things are about. We should pray for other churches in town. We can stand with other churches based on two really simple things. One, do they believe that there is only one way to be right with God, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ? That's fundamental. That's the fundamental thing right there. If, there's some other, if they teach some other way to heaven or some works-based process to get to heaven or they, they, they lower the standard that there's many ways to heaven, they're not really a church. Our goal, our call is to point people to Jesus. And the second thing is this. The, do they teach that the Bible is our standard for faith and conduct? That the Bible is the way we should live our... Now, friends, it, inside of those two things, we can talk about all kinds of other stuff. But at the bottom line, we've got to have those two things right. Now, to be clear, I believe that every believer is called to be a part of one local body of believers. The person who drifts here and there to get uh, different things is a consumer. That doesn't mean from time to time you don't go to a concert someplace else or a special event at some other thing, but there needs to be commitment to a local body, of a, a local fellowship. And we need to be committed. Every now and then I have somebody say to me, uh, I've been talking to this person, they got a real small church, and pastor, they really need my help. Let me just tell, let me fill you in. The need for help in a body of believers doesn't get smaller the bigger you are. It just kind of all grows at the same pace. Everybody needs help. All of us need to be working. Everybody needs to be involved in, in ministry and and doing things. And there's work for all of us to do. There's plenty of things for every person to do. We've talked about this over the last few weeks, this consumer mentality and how God uses metaphors throughout the Word of God that help us see the ties that we should have to one another. A couple of weeks ago, Ryan talked about how God uses the terminology of family so we can understand how we're supposed to see each other. Last week we talked about this call to be a part of the body of Christ and how Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, uses that metaphor to show us the kind of deep connections and need that we have for each other. And today I want you to look at this passage, and I want you to think about this terminology that Paul uses over and over again when he talks to people about being a part 
of the, uh, uh, of the church. He talks about us being soldiers, a part of an army of God upon this earth. Now let me ask a question. How many in this room have served in the armed forces here on this earth? Raise your hand high. Raise your hand high. Don't you appreciate all these folks and what they've done for our country? I'm sure if you talk to them, I've talked to a lot of guys. My dad was, a, was, a, was in the Marine Corps. I've talked to a lot of men and women who served in armed services. There are things about being a soldier where a soldier has things in common with people who have other types of jobs. There are commonalities inside of there. But there is also a commitment and a responsibility that comes when you become a soldier that far exceeds what we have in any other kind of job that we would have upon this earth. Now, by the time Paul writes this passage, he has been up close and personal with soldiers for a long time. He has been arrested by soldiers. He's been beaten by soldiers. On a number of occasions, the church of Philippi was birthed because he was arrested and beaten and set free from a prison, and the soldier that was over the prison gets saved because Paul doesn't flee but stays there. He comes to Christ, and the whole church of Philippi is birthed on this confrontation, this moment, with a soldier. He has spent years in prison in Caesarea. He has been sent to Rome, attached to a soldier, for trial and possible execution. During his time, his time at, at that first day, he was allowed to stay under guard for a length of time in a home, but he was finally released and sent on his fourth missionary journey. At this writing of 2 Timothy, he has been arrested again, this time by Nero. He is back in imprisonment in Rome. By this time, though, he's not allowed the privilege of staying in a home under guard. He is in the Roman jail. He's in a dungeon. He is in chains, locked up, and in change. And he is almost certain that his execution will happen at any time. Paul has been around a lot of soldiers. He has been a victim of their actions under orders, and he's been at times protected by them. He spent years talking with them and has seen some of them come to faith. He knows that they will fulfill their orders. And Paul has seen the parallel between himself as a child of God and them. Paul is no consumer of faith. Paul sees himself as a soldier on assignment, and he's telling Timothy to see the same thing. He tells him very clearly, 
Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. None of Paul's books, if you would read Paul's, if you read Paul's books carefully, none of Paul's books are telling us about how to have a better life now. They are telling us clearly and simply that we are soldiers on assignment for the glory of God's kingdom and heaven, the gain is coming. But right now, there is work to do. And we've been given an assignment. See, here is one of the key differences between a soldier and a civilian. And this is so important for us to capture as servants of God. The soldier's power of choice has been surrendered. He doesn't have it anymore. When he is under orders, he will answer to his superiors for his actions. He doesn't get the opportunity to say, I don't like that assignment. I think I'll quit. He's under orders. Paul understood as a follower of Christ that he was under orders. He tells Timothy to endure hardship as one who wants to please his commanding officer, the one who recruited him. He's telling him, we live first to please him. The soldier in the kingdom of God lives first and foremost to please Jesus. Not to get something for himself, but to please Jesus. To the soldier, it does not matter how he feels about it. It doesn't matter what, what, what he thinks about it. It matters that the superior officer has told him to do it. And this is the call. This is the image that Paul gives us when he calls us to be soldiers in the kingdom. In the passage that follows, he, he points out several things. He says, flee the evil desires of youth. This is a good soldier. Isn't this childish person with the evil desires? He says, flee from them. Leave them behind. He tells us in the passages that follow, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. He tells them, I, I love this because this, I'm going to read it just the way it says it in this passage. He says, don't get involved in stupid and foolish arguments. Boy, there's a lesson for us all, isn't it? And he tells us we must be kind, gentle, and not resentful to win others. These are some just kind of standard duty assignments. This isn't talk about where you're going to be sent or what kind of things you're going to face. He's just saying, listen, in all of your lives, here's just some standard assignments, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through. Listen, I would challenge you today to prayerfully open up your Bible this week. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and just begin to read through it and pray your way through it and say, God, as you get to every one of these assignments and there's some others in there, as you get to them, say, God, what would you say to me about that? See, what, what, why? We're seeking understanding. God, help me to understand this and apply this to my life. 
this is one of the ways we grow in understanding. We grow in understanding by reading the Word and asking the Spirit of God in that moment to make us aware of what God would say to us about that Word and how He would have it apply to our lives. And as you listen to it, remember, you're a soldier under assignment. See, the key, the, one of the key differences I want to point out today is the difference between the earthly soldier and the kingdom soldier. And one of the key differences is this. It's in, it's in how we conquer. The earthly soldier wins the battle by the weight of power. By the weight of power. By the way I can take the things I have and push it against the other person or the enemy to get the outcome that I want. And we know what that means in warfare. We know what that means in other places. But I'll, I'll tell you another way that this works. I, I knew a man who uh, loved his family, wanted to bless a young relative in his family. And uh, he, he desired uh, to really bless this person. Uh, but he, he knew they had a couple of habits that he didn't like. One of them was this person was a smoker. A young, young teenage kid was smoking. He, he wanted them to quit that. He, he wanted them to stop. And as they, as they got to, to be about 16 years of age, he, he, he was wanting to use his force, his power, to stop them from smoking. And, see, and he told this person, he says, listen, I will buy you a car for your 16th birthday. I'll help you get a car. If you promise to stop smoking, I'll help you get a car. Well, the promise was made. The car was delivered. Time goes by. And guess what? He finds him smoking. And he says to him, you promised to stop. And they said, you had to know that I would tell you that to get a car. See, power may force a momentary submission, but it doesn't win the day. The spirit and the heart is still the same. The kingdom soldier wins the battle by the weight of truth, by the way they live their life, and by the way they walk through life. I have a friend who's now lived for God for many years, and uh, but a number of years ago, we were together, and, and I knew that when he was a young man, when we grew up, he, he did not grow up in a, in a church environment. He did not grow up in a Christian environment. And he lived into his 20s, was married before he came to Christ. He was a, a man that was in, in many, many ways far from God. And I asked him one day as we were talking, I said, listen, to help me understand, what happened to you that drew you to give your life to Christ? And he said to me, I remember sitting with him, he says to me, he said, my, my wife got saved. She came to Christ. And she came home and talked to me about what had happened. I think it had been in a Bible study or something. And he said with some friends. And he goes, I thought she had just lost her mind. I thought she was crazy. And I just, I just dismissed it and didn't want, to, didn't want to talk about it or see it. But over the next months, her life changed in such beautiful ways. 
And he said, Pastor, she loved me into the kingdom of God. I got saved watching her. See, it's the weight of truth, the weight of the way we live our lives, the weight of us living by our conviction. You're not going to win people to Christ by compromising with the world and trying to be like the world. We're going to live, we're going to win people to Christ by living the way Christ would have us to live, by having the values that Christ would have us to have. Now listen, we're not going to do this solely by an argument. In a very short parable in Matthew chapter 13, uh, it, it tells us how this works. In Matthew chapter 13, we call these kingdom parables. We've been talking about them on, on Wednesday night. And uh, if you miss Wednesday night, you can get online and we talk about several of these parables. Kingdom parables, these kingdom parables are really aimed at a point in time. It's the point in time of the church. That's where, the church age. That's the age that we're in. It's a point in time of what the world's going to be like and the kingdom's going to be like in between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. That's the age we're in. He's come once. We're waiting for him to come again. And in this, there's several passages in here that explains what that's going to be like. And in Matthew chapter 13, uh, we see a very, very short passage that talks about this moment. In verse 33, it says this, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. This is how yeast works through a batch of dough to cause that dough to transform, to cause it to rise. Leaven in the Bible is used as an illustration both of the positive influence that we're supposed to have in the world and the negative forces in our life and in the world. All throughout Scripture, when Israel came out of Egypt, one of the things that was established was this feast of unleavened bread. That's not because leavened bread was evil. If leavened bread had been evil, they would have said, you can never have leavened bread again. It was a symbolic action to remind them that, that they had been delivered from Egypt and the influence of Egypt was to be out of their lives. It was to be taken out of their lives. They were to purify themselves from all the cultural and religious influence of Egypt that could influence their thinking and their actions. It was a symbolic call to remind themselves they were following a new way. And it was to remind them that as they went into the land of Israel, it was going to be theirs, not to be influenced by the countries and the, uh, by the people and the faith that was there. They were to eat this unleavened bread to remind them of the separation in their life. In a positive sense, the Word and the Spirit of God does the same thing in our lives as we allow them to work in us. They transform us, the Word of God. That's why we call you to read the Word. 
That's why we call you to open your life to the Spirit. As we do that, they transform us and cause us to grow in the kingdom. This is important in our life. Without this work, we're going to be influenced by other leaven. Here's what I want you to picture in your mind. Picture your heart, your spirit, as having taste buds. And those taste buds like certain things. I know a few people in my life that they don't like chocolate. I feel sorry for them. I personally, whenever I walk by chocolate, I hear it calling to me. Are you hearing me today? My taste buds like that. There's people who like, there's people who, their taste buds love fish, and there's other people whose taste buds don't like fish at all. You know, we have, our taste buds are ours. Our spirit has taste buds to a sense. There are things that our spirit longs for, that our spirit clings to, and it reveals to us what our spirit's like. It tells us what's going on inside of us. And so when our spirit longs for the glorification of of, of evil, when our spirit longs for actions that, that are evil, it's telling us what our spirit's like. But when God moves in our life, when his word comes in our life, when we read his word and study his word, instead of letting the culture of the day be the leaven in our life, we let the culture of Christ be the leaven in our life. It does this transforming work in us, and we begin to long for, recognize, and desire the things that are righteous. We feel guilty if we're tempted to lie. We feel guilty if we're tempted towards certain thoughts or actions. We want to push them out of our life. We look back at things we used to do and we're ashamed of them. Instead of glorifying them, we go, I wish I'd never lived that way. I don't understand how I ever thought that way. I don't understand how I ever acted that way. That's because the Spirit of God has worked in our life like leaven in our life to transform us into the people that we're supposed to be. And so when I look in the Word and I see a value that the Word says is right and my spirit says is wrong, I'm a soldier under assignment. I don't get to argue with the Word. I don't get to dismiss the Word. I have to recognize that my spirit has taste buds that are wrong, that longs for the wrong thing. I've got to trust God and obey Him while He transforms me and shows me the wisdom and the benefit of His way in our life. Jesus is here picturing the young church in the world that has all these forces against Him. And He's saying, by the truth of our lives... We are to be transforming the world. This is an issue of leaven working through us to bring leaven into the world. That where we go, where we live, we are to apply the principles of the kingdom of God in faith 
in good times and in bad times, in our actions and in our words, in our works and in our righteous values, in our beliefs, both individually and corporately, to bring the leaven of God into the world and to make a difference. Sadly today, many churches have become solely the entertainers and caregivers to the sheep in the pen instead of a training and command centers for soldiers of the cross. Calling us to be men and women who walk out into this world. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has just warned the disciples about the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then he asks them who they think he is. And Peter makes this great confession. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the sent one of God. You are the son of the living God. And in the next moment, Jesus gives us a picture and a promise about the church. Jesus answers him and says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. What's happened? God's been working in his life. The Spirit's been working in his life. Flesh and God has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I love the word picture there because the word picture is not uh, I'm going to build my church and the gates of the church will prevail against the world. We'll hold the world up. That's not what he says. He gives us a picture of the church working in a lost world. He gives us a picture of a church marching against the forces of destruction. And he says, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not prevail against those who understand that I am the Son of God and I've come to rescue them. Friends, the Pharisees tried to stamp out the church by killing Jesus, but it was way too late. The yeast had been planted. Nero tried to stamp out the church and silence Paul, but the yeast was in place. In every generation, there are those who would undermine and silence the Bible and the church, but it just keeps marching forward. The soldier knows his ranks. He's accepted his training. He's conditioned. He knows his superiors. And he knows his orders. Do you? Do you know the orders God has placed you under? Do you know the places God has placed you? Today, if you are a soldier of Christ, leavened by his word and spirit, you will bear fruit. The church, leavened by the word and the spirit, will march on. The church is an army of love and grace sent into the world to make a difference. Paul doesn't promise us, the Spirit of God doesn't promise us that it's easy. He tells Timothy, endure your suffering 
Endure it as a good soldier. Then you're going to go through some things. I am so thankful that God promises us life to the full. But part of that life to the full is understanding who we are and where our life comes from so that when he puts us on assignments that are challenging, when he puts us on assignments that seem to be going against the very gates of hell itself, we feel and know and sense the strength of God in the assignment. And we walk with joy and peace that passes understanding. How do you view the church? How do you view yourself in the church? The Word of God sees us as soldiers in His kingdom. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Prayer teams, would you come on down front, please? Father, Your Word tells us uh, that we need to think about these things so we'll understand them. We need to think about what it means to compete as an honest athlete. We need to think about what it means to be the farmer who gets to share in the first, the first of the harvest. We need to think about what it means to be a soldier in your kingdom. Lord, I'm so grateful that, Father, we see this picture of Paul, Silas, beaten in a jail cell in Philippi. And instead of them being filled with hopelessness, they are singing your praises. Their spiritual taste buds have really been transformed. And because of it, the church grows in Philippi. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for the great times and the good times in our life. I had one of those days yesterday with my family. Lord, I'm so grateful for it. But we also know we have to endure hard times, but your spirit is always with us. Father, maybe there are some in this room right now. They're in the middle of that hard time. They've got, they're, they're called to endure as a faithful soldier. I pray you give them strength. I pray for us as a church, as we've looked at this idea of what church is, that, Lord, we would see the deep connections that we're supposed to have. We would recognize the responsibility that we rest under as people recruited into your kingdom by your spirit. Help us to live for your glory. Father, you know today if there's somebody here who needs to simply surrender their life to you, you know who they are. I pray in these next few moments you'd speak to their heart and as you had, have to mine in the past and many others in this room and they would take the bold step to come down here let somebody pray with them. Cross that line of faith. Become a servant in your kingdom. Pray for others who have needs, Lord, that they would come as well. You'd bless them and touch them and meet their needs. In Jesus' name, amen. In the next few moments, we're going to sing a song. I'm going to ask everybody to just kind of wait for a minute, give people a chance to move that want to move. If you have a need in your life, any kind of need, 
uh, every Sunday we like to give you that chance to come down. We believe prayer changes things. Come down and let these people who are here to pray with you, pray with you and ask God to move and meet your need. But especially today, if you need to make sure your heart's right with God, if you're not sure you're right with Him, you're not sure of your eternity, you come down and let somebody pray with you as well. So right now as we sing this song, you step out and come, whatever your need may be, and they'll pray with you, and uh, we'll believe God to answer these prayers. Amen? Hey, I love you. We're in this thing together. Amen? Let's fight the fight, because as we fight it faithfully, we will win the battle. Amen.